0: As a congregation, have spent uh, the last couple weeks um, in different in different capacities, different settings, I guess you could say, looking at Jesus and His sacrifice, and exactly uh, what it meant, and why why He did it, um, why He willingly laid His life down, uh, from a theological perspective, exactly what the cross accomplished, and all that. And um, so after spending several weeks talking about why he died, uh, tonight we're going to talk about why, uh, why God decided to raise him from the dead, and why that is uh, of equal significance to us. It's not just a really great ending to the story, uh, it's not uh, something that God just kind of did uh, to prove a point. That there's some real meat to it and there's some significance there that it's really, really important for us to understand and to dig into. And so what I want to do is, is basically, uh, look at the resurrection of Jesus in three different, uh, th- three different ways. So if you're a note taker, there's three tonight. Uh, the first is why the resurrection matters to Jesus. And the second one is why the resurrection matters to, uh, to us as Christians, specifically to you if you're a Christian. And the third one is why the resurrection matters to the world. Um, so that'll be... That's the three. So I gave it all away right at the beginning. So um, so now if I deviate, then you can like raise your hand and be like, oh, you're chasing rabbits, can you get back to the deal because my notes are messed up. And so uh, I'll try not to add any extra points to that. Uh, okay, so the first... First thing about the resurrection when it comes to, um, like, why is it so important is that uh, it it matters to Jesus. And, of course, that seems a little obvious at first. Of course it matters to Jesus. He's the one who died. He's the one that needed to be brought back to life. And I don't really mean, like, why it matters in, in that sense, that he's no longer dead. Now he's, you know, he's alive, and so that means it matters to him. I mean... Uh, so looking at it through kind of a different sort of lens. We looked at Philippians 2 a couple of times in the last several months. I want to look at it through that lens as to why uh, why the resurrection would be important to Jesus. Starting, starting in verse 5. It says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you want to know why the resurrection matters to Jesus. Verses 5 through 8. That's what he was rewarded for. In 9, 10, and 11. When you look at verse 9, it says, Therefore, God has highly exalted him. So, uh, I heard a preacher one time, uh, and it's one of the things I remember from my childhood. He said, if you're reading the Bible and you see therefore, you should look and see what it's there for. And that was his cute little way of, of teaching us something about the Bible. And when you see that, what preceded it is directly connected to what it just says in Therefore. And so, um, verse 8 says, In being found in human form, he humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. The resurrection of Jesus is his reward for his obedience. That's why it's significant to him. He left heaven... He did not consider equality with God something to be held on to with a closed fist. He lived an open-handed life even to the point of saying, okay, I'll leave I'll leave heaven. I'll become a human. I'll be born like all humans. I'll be completely human in, in every way. Um, I'll grow up. I'll have parents who are bossing me around even though I created the universe. I'll have to be a teenager, which is... Just weird. You'll see. Uh, It'll it'll get better. Um, uh, He'll be a a teenager and then a young adult, and he'll he'll have a career. Um, He'll have to like learn how to be a carpenter. So all you first job people, he's been there. Okay, he understands. He had um, friends. He had friends betray him. Uh, He got sick. He was hungry. He didn't have a home. Um, he traveled by foot. He was dependent on the hospitality of other people. He was mocked. He was rejected in his hometown. He was uh, wildly popular in some ways and completely just a, mock, a mockery in other ways. Um, he had the, the ultimate heights of um, social interaction he entered Jerusalem triumphantly on a donkey, and everybody was, was, were waving palm branches at him and laying their coats out and treating him like a king entering into the town, and they were looking to him to be their savior. And then days later, they are the very ones yelling to crucify him. Uh, he was passed over for another criminal. He was crucified between two criminals. He was um, beaten and flogged and um, hung up on a cross, um, completely exposed, and all the sins of humanity were poured onto him, and all the wrath of God because of that. And he was separated from God the Father. And he had to look down and see his mother watching him suffer on the cross, and he had to make sure that his mom was taken care of while, while he was there. And he had to take it and take it and take it. And when there was no more wrath and there was um, no more need to be separate, and when the sacrifice was completely done, he said, like we just sang, It is completely finished. And then he died, and then his body was taken down and prepared for burial and put in the in the tomb, and um, all his friends went away, and his disciples rejected him, and Peter, you know, all that stuff. And it went all, all all that stuff. Everything that he did, he just, with an open hand, his hand said, I will let go of the fact that I am God, and I will leave heaven, and I will come here, and I will do that for people who hate me and mock me and sin against me, and don't understand who I am, and just don't have a clue. People who deserve hell, and they just deserve to be separated from eternity because of sin. I'll die for the ungodly, unrighteous. I um, will I'll die for that. I will do that. I will be obedient to that. And God the Father looks at him, and this verse says, Therefore, he highly exalted him, and has given him the name that is above every name. The Father raised him from the dead as his reward for his obedience. So when we look at verses, we start in 5. Let's read it again. This is what he was rewarded for. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is what he was rewarded for. And this is what the reward looks like. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confessed that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is, the resurrection is God the Father's way of saying, well done, my good and faithful servant. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. And he raised him from the dead so that everybody could see that reward and for all of eternity, everything that we experience as Christians, the, this, literally the rest of eternity, will be that reward put on display as we worship King Jesus forever and ever and ever and ever. So the resurrection matters to Jesus in really, really deep, meaningful ways. Not just because He got to be alive again. and Not just because glad that was over. Because God the Father looked at Him and and say, yes, that's my boy. That's exactly what we needed to do. And this is what happens with obedience. There is reward. And that's why the resurrection matters to Jesus. You don't need to turn to it, but look at Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. It kind of explains it a little bit differently. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. See, he's crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. So we need to see the resurrection of Jesus as, like, as exactly what it is. It's God the Father approving of his Son and his obedience. I think it's a beautiful, I think it's, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful picture to think about, just to, to think about all the events of, of the cross. And as painful as that was for the father to watch and to pour his own wrath to his own son for stuff that he didn't do, that all of us did, every, every rebellious thought, every sinful action, every just deliberate whatever that we have done, just... Put on him, put on him, put on him, put on him. And God had to pour his wrath on his own son. Imagine the joy of the father to be able to reward his obedience by raising him from the dead. So as pumped up as we get about it, as pumped up as the disciples were once they stopped being weirded out by the fact that they watched him die and all that, and the, the empty tomb and the way all that stuff, as excited as they were, as excited as we get, as excited as that preacher was in that video that we watched, um the the joy of the Father just so far exceeds that. That God is the most joyful being in the universe. And I believe that Easter is one of those times when we really get to see and, and really just experience that joy. So that's why the resurrection of is that's why it matters to Jesus. Okay? So now let's let's talk about the second one. Let's talk about why, why it matters to you. And to me, uh, go to first Corinthians fifteen the first uh, this is kind of a sub point the real reason why it matters to you and to me is because it matters to Jesus and like that's that's a part of who he's making us into is people who um, who don't just at Easter go to how it impacts us but we recognize That for Jesus to be exalted, the way that we just read about in Philippians 2, that is, like, our joy is in his exaltation as well. That what's good for our king is good for us. That being a living sacrifice is... Uh, is is not one of those things where we where we consider like what what am i giving up and what's what's it going to cost me and how's my life going to be deficient somehow but being a living sacrifice is, is us realizing wait a minute if i do this that's exalting to my king and his exaltation is really all that matters and so when he wins i win And so for God the Father to raise Him up and seat Him in heavenly places and to give Him the name that is above every name, that every knee should bow, whether in heaven or on the earth or under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When we, when that is going on, that we're saying, wait, I'm a part of that. Like I'm, I'm in that. I'm with that. Like that, that is, that is enough. And so if there were no personal benefit of the resurrection, that would be enough. So if God had stopped right there, and said, so There's no, there's no, um, there's not really going to be any benefit to you as, you know, that you're really going to experience. You're not going to have a big list of of reasons why the resurrectionism is good for you, but you just need to know that your king has now been being exalted. I think God is making us into the kind of people that say, Look, if that was all it was, that would be enough for me. But the thing is, we don't, I and mean, that's not really how it is because there's tons of benefit for us. But I think He's shaping in us more and more this. This understanding that what's good for the king is good for the kingdom. And what's good for the kingdom and the king is good for us as a part of it. So it all ties together and it all works together. And so that's this little sub-point. Why does it matter to us? Well, because it matters to Jesus. Another point is what Paul gets into in 1 Corinthians 15. The, uh, The resurrection of the dead was... Uh, kind of, kind of one of those topics, uh, in the first century that people kind of made fun of because they just thought it was really lame. Um, people either thought that death was the end of you, um, or, you know, life after death, you know, you could be, whatever, you could be reincarnated, you could, um, you know, as some other form of, like, an animal or something, or maybe as another person, or, um, There are just all these kind of different things, and it's not too far from like how people today are like obsessed with the zombie apocalypse, you know? That, that there's just that interest in, well, what happens, what happens after you die? Um, what if, what if life does carry on, or what if this happens, or what if this happens? But being raised from the dead was a freaky topic to them, culturally. And so here, here are these Christians, who are basing their entire faith off of their rabbi, like their king, being killed and then being raised from the dead and it, it living for like 40 days and having hundreds and hundreds of witnesses um, and and all this kind of stuff? So they're so they're saying like, no, no, he he raised from the the dead and then God's going to raise raise us from the dead too. And all the intellectuals of the day were saying, oh, that's the stupidest thing we've ever heard. Like this, this. Uh, this group of, of Christ, like little Christ Christians, uh, they're they've lost their marbles. Like that just makes no sense at all. Like it's, they're they're they must be they must just be really really dumb. Like it's just laughable, you know. And so here's the here's this church in Corinth that that believes that everything they you know everything about Jesus is coming down to his death, burial, resurrection. But when they tell people that, they get laughed at. You know, and, and it just doesn't translate very, very well culturally. So they had asked Paul, and he's addressing it in the letter, and he's just trying to help them understand, like, okay, don't worry about what people say. You need to understand the significance of being resurrected from the dead. And so in 15, he's explaining this to them. Look at verse 12. It says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Not even Christ has been raised. Here it is. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Look, look back at verse 17. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Okay? This is a massive, massive verse for us to understand why the resurrection is so important. See, lots of emphasis put on the life of Christ, and rightly so. The uh, sacrificial death of Christ, and, right, and rightfully so. But sometimes the resurrection is just kind of like, the, like the, the P.S. on the end, you know. It's just the really, really good ending to the story, But this verse says, if that doesn't happen, if there's a Good Friday, but there's not an Easter Sunday, then you're still in your sins. Okay, so what what does that mean? Well, that means that Jesus being raised from the dead was God's approval on him as a sacrifice. So if he didn't raise him from the dead, that would mean that his sacrifice was somehow deficient. And we're still in Adam. We're still in our sins. We have not crossed from death to life. We're still where we were. So we have to think of the resurrection in this sense. That Jesus, if Jesus' words were, it is finished then the resurrection is God's way of saying, yes, it is. Of him saying, I approve of this sacrifice. Jesus says it's finished. He's saying there's no more wrath for sin. The resurrection is proof that God says, you're right, no more. So how do we know that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus? Well, because Jesus was raised from the dead. That's how. So when you're struggling with some, some identity issue, some sort of shame, some sort of guilt, and you're sitting down with someone and they're speaking truth to you and they say, see, you're, you're full of condemnation toward yourself, but there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The pushback is usually, yeah, but you don't know what I've done or you don't know this and you don't know this and you don't know this. And the pushback to that pushback is, well, Jesus is alive, so you pretty much just need to get on board with that. Like, you need to understand that, that God accepted his sacrifice, so whatever guilt and shame and stuff you're feeling for that thing you've done, that guilt was put onto him. The wrath of God was poured onto Jesus for that, and that was completely done. So he absorbed it all, and God the Father said, uh, I have nothing left. And Jesus says, cool, it's finished? And God's like, yeah, it's finished. Uh, And then three days later he says, let me bring you back to life so that your death and your resurrection and you walking around being alive and functioning this way will tell all these people for years and years and years and years to come that what you did was legit and it was accepted and it was good and it was approved of. So Paul's saying, "Without, without Jesus being raised from the dead, you're still in your sins. Then he goes on to say, verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, okay, our first father, all die, also in Christ shall all be made alive. In Christ all shall be made alive. See the resurrection of Jesus, that's how that's how we know. That's how we know that we know that we know. So when we when we talk about identity in Christ, that's how we know because he's alive. When we talk about forgiveness, that's how we know because he's alive. When we talk about security, it's because he's alive. No condemnation because he's alive. There's healing because he's alive. There's grace he's alive. I could keep going on and everything will follow by because he's alive. You you figure that out. You write in your notes write down all the issues that you struggle with on one side of, of your notes everything that you battle all the lies that you believe all that kind of whatever put that on the left side and on the other side just put he is alive. And the right column negates the left column every time. It's how, it's how we know. Let's go to Ephesians 2. So the resurrection matters to Jesus because it's his reward from the Father for his obedience. The resurrection matters to you and I. And there's another a number of reasons why it matters. We just focused on that main one. It matters because it proves to us that we are no longer in our sins. But now we are in Christ. by the grace of God, we don't have to taste death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. So, why does the resurrection matter to the world? Starting in verse 1 of Ephesians 2. Being born in, in Adam. in Being born with the sin nature passed down to person, to person, to person, to person. And so when you're born, you're a child of wrath. Just like everything that was described right there. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. See that? Made us alive together with Christ. So, on Good Friday, when Jesus died, if you're a Christian, you died too that day. You died too, like, your self-exalting tendencies died your pride, your ego, your self-reliance, everything that uh, where we just tend to live for ourselves, it's it's all that we knew as being in Adam, as being children of wrath, uh, all of that died that day. Because it was put onto Jesus, and then God killed him. He was the sacrifice for that sin. And then, This is one of many verses that tells us that when Jesus was raised from the dead, you and I were also raised from the dead. Raised to walk in newness of life. Raised to live not for our glory, but for the glory of the Father, and the glory of King Jesus. And so we're raised with him, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right? Uh, go to community group this week, because we're going to talk about this, that we've been seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. We're going to talk about what that means, or at least that's the goal, to talk about that. And uh, But he's ra- raised us with him, seated us with him in the, in the heavenly places, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Look at that. So in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Why does the resurrection matter to the world? Because Jesus is displaying his grace and his goodness to the world through the resurrection of Jesus by bringing us into it. And so the world needs to see the immeasurable riches of His grace that were displayed to us in Christ Jesus. So God just, He just puts us on display. Like He sends us all over, all over this city and all over this region to put on display the riches of His grace that were displayed in your life through the way that He loved us in Christ. That's why it matters to the world. Because they need to see it. God wants to show us off. He wants to lead us in triumphal procession. Showing off in the streets of Baton Rouge and and wherever you may live. Showing off His grace and His goodness through your life. That's why it matters to the world. Because there's a lot of folks that have never seen it. They've heard of it. Maybe they've... Heard it misrepresented, but they've never seen it truly revealed, and so God sends them, sends you into their lives to just show it off. And so it matters. It matters so much that He raised you from the dead, and has seated you with Christ in heavenly places to just display. Through your life, Look at what it goes on to say. Um, verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Created for good works. To go into the world and to let the resurrection of Jesus be put on display through us all the time. And that's what our world needs. And some of the people that you live with, some of the people that you are related to, some of the people that are your neighbors, some of the people that you are co-workers with or uh, classmates with or whatever are part of the good works that God created beforehand for you to be a part of. For you to be the one that they see the resurrection power of Jesus uh, living through. And so it absolutely matters to the world that Jesus was raised from the dead because for us we can can be here and we can say okay Jesus is alive which means that I am no longer in my sins but there are people all over the place who through him being alive will be brought to the realization that they are still in their sins but they don't have to stay there it doesn't have to be that way. Because God is rich in mercy to them as well. That Jesus died for them as well. And so while his resurrection brings great confidence to us, he will use it to bring conviction to others. But through that conviction, he brings them into the family and he changes their names and he crosses them from death to life. And he brings them from being sinners to being saints. And they become co-heirs with him. And then he raises them to life. And God seats them in heavenly places with Christ. So then they can start to display that same thing. And then it just keeps going. And it keeps going. And it keeps going. And one day the new earth is filled with people who can all look back and say, This is when I realized that Jesus was alive. And that he did not create me to be dead. He created me to be alive with him seated in heavenly places to live and rule with him forever and ever and ever. And So that's why the resurrection of Jesus matters. It's his reward. It's our proof. And it is the hope of the world that we are sent into. I don't know which of those points lands, uh, Land's closest to home for you, maybe it's a mixture of all three uh but to be honest with you, that's that's between you and that's between you and Jesus. It's not my job to come up and draw conclusions for you. Uh, God has put me in uh, this role within this community uh to just be faithful to pass on whatever it is He wants to say and to lead and challenge however He wants. And then from there, the ball is in your court, the ball is in my court, to, to take whatever has stirred with us and say, okay, what am I supposed to do with this? And because Christ lives in all of us who are believers, we are able to process that together. And if you are here and you're sitting there saying, okay, Jesus is alive, and I don't know if I fall into the category of that making me really confident to know I'm not in my sins, or maybe I'm in the category of, okay, well, I'm not sure what that says about me. Maybe I'm still in my sins. Maybe I'm not. I don't really know what to do with that. Well, you don't have to leave here wondering that. But this is a room full of people who are we're all family with each other. A room full of people who would love to hear your questions. And kind of have some things to say back. And we'd love to talk to you about that. But we're not about to have a walk the aisle time or any, anything like that. We, it's not that we don't want to talk to you, but um, we just we just want you to begin that conversation with the Lord, and so we're going to sing a little bit, and we're going to just kind of re- just respond to whatever God's stirring up. And then if you want to talk afterwards, and stick around, would, you know, plenty of space, plenty of time. Um, I'd invite you to just grab somebody afterwards and say, "Hey, we I have some questions about tonight." But for now, we are going to just respond to the Lord in song. And in prayer, and see where He takes it. So let's let's pray together as as the band comes back up. Jesus, it is um, it is an incredible thing to to be one of your children. To know that you uh, you looked down. Uh, well, as we see it, you look down through the corridor of time, but really, you just you see it all at once, and you see um, you see the glory of the Father, and you see all of us being ransomed as completely worth it. We are grateful that, that that that's how you see it. Grateful that you did not consider. it equality with God is something to be held onto so tightly that you would refuse to leave heaven but you you lived in an open-handed way with that for the glory of God and for the good of us and we are eternally grateful and we love so much that the father has approved of your obedience and that you have been rewarded with that kind of exaltation, I mean, to be given the name that is greater, a name that everyone bows to, a name that will be worshipped and adored for eternity. We love so much that you are our King. That death has been swallowed up in victory because of your obedience because of the Father's good pleasure we're so grateful that, it's, that we are no longer in our sins that those who are in Christ that we can walk in confidence because you are alive thank you God for bringing us into that for letting the, the blessing of of his reward for letting us be a, a participant in that that we would would gain is simply your grace and your love. And so now as we sing and just respond to this goodness, I pray that you would just keep stirring in us. A love and an affection for you that you would continue to help us to deny ourselves that we would leave that like all of our self-reliance we just leave that behind us and say that's not who we are anymore. that's my that's the old me that's the dead me. I'm fully alive. I live for the glory of God and not for my own glory help us with that father help us to take up our own crosses to embrace your will for our lives just to let go of every plan and every expectation and and every agenda that we have for ourselves and for us to live open-handed the way that you lived just saying whatever whatever you want I'm my life is not my own my life is yours as we follow you through life that you would just continue to make us into these kinds of people that, that we would just live for you and we know that a, a deeper understanding of the cross and the resurrection and your, your life that you lived your death and now you reigning over the king of, as the king of the universe and the king of our hearts more we understand about that, the more we live just perfectly in sync with with how you've designed things to go. God, I'd ask that as we we begin to sing, that some things would just come alive in us, that we wouldn't even be able to explain. And so as we respond, may you be glorified. We love you, and we pray this all in your name.